Well, Merry Christmas Eve to you guys. Uh, the, the fact that you're sitting in here on, in church on Christmas Eve uh, is nothing but the grace of God. You really shouldn't have made it uh, to this point. But, you know, and we're about to go into a new year. You know, it, it's nothing but grace. And this is a moment where we should be able to reflect upon 2017 and over the last year and also, you know, try to push ourselves to set some goals into 2018. Speaking of 2018, our, our first full week, Gabe announced that we are doing a solemn assembly, but let me give some instruction there. I'm excited about it. If you need some biblical reference to solemn assembly, uh, Joel chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says, they said, call the elders, call the congregation. Let's have a corporate fast. And then it goes so far as to say, and cry out to the Lord. So that's what we'll be doing from January 1st to January 5th. Uh, we will be crying out to the Lord. It is a every day, a 12-hour fast. What do I mean by that? We're going to start at 6 a.m. and we're going to end at 6 p.m. every day. And if you, can't, if you can't fast that long because of medical reasons or whatever, uh, we ask that you would at least try to skip one meal. So if you can't fast the full 12 hours, skip one meal. But if you can, now I'm not saying it's easy, but if you can do it every single day for uh, 12 hours. We would love for you to join in. And our schedule will look a little differently. We ask that you guys would pick these up uh, on your way out if you don't have them already. I mean, if you can, you can look at it and see, you know, Monday is spend time with your family at home uh, praying. Uh, then Tuesday, we have a conference prayer line, prayer call, calling at seven o'clock and we'll be praying. On Wednesday, we'll be here gathering here for corporate worship and testimonies. Uh, and then Thursday, you can meet with your DNA partner or some somebody that maybe you just don't know somebody and you want to connect with them during the week and just uh, grab something to, fin the, to end the fast that day. Grab something to eat and, uh, and pray with that person. And then Friday, you can gather with all believers uh, all around Brooklyn. I really, really, really hope and pray that you guys would participate in this fast. It is a good week, a good week to start off the year by really consecrating ourselves to the Lord. And we're not just fasting from food. We are fasting from food. But in addition to that, I ask that you guys would take down from anything that's a distraction. So TV, we ask that you guys would turn off the TV. If your, your social media, let me say that again, your social media, turn that off for the week. I mean, for me, I can't even just like say I'm not going to click in it. I legitimately have to delete the app. And so if you like me, delete the app for the week. You can put it back on Friday night. But really disconnect yourselves. No, no uh, non-work-related social uh, surfing the web or whatever you do. We ask that you really, 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 really would disconnect because what my hope is is that during the time that you normally spend uh, uh, tweeting or I don't know why tweets anymore. I do. Um, the, the time you usually spend on social media and watching TV, we ask that you would disconnect and spend that time reading your Bible and praying. Amen. So if you don't, you know, if you're serious about the Lord, I ask that you this is a spiritual discipline that's good to have. So you guys, I'm praying that you guys would join in the first full week of January. Uh, well, I'm excited to preach the word of God. Why don't you grab your Bibles and meet me in John? John chapter three is where we're going to be. Uh, I promise you this. I promise you I will not be before you long. Uh, and there, there's a couple of things I put in place to ensure that I won't be before you long today because I really want to get you guys out so you can enjoy uh, Christmas Eve. I know some of you, you procrastinators, got some last-minute Christmas shopping to do. So we want to get you out. And then we got some eggnog for y'all to, to enjoy, a little cinnamon stick in it. You know, it's something special about the cinnamon stick in the eggnog. I hate eggnog, but something special for y'all. <laughs> 
about cinnamon stick and the eggnog. But after church, you know, we're trying to end a little bit early so you guys can have some time to fellowship and uh, enjoy people, talk to people that you typically uh, don't come with or you don't know. Uh, so here's the things I did to make sure that we are going to stick within our time today. Number one, this is the first time I'm ever preaching one verse. Literally one verse. I don't have two. I don't have three. Somebody said amen. I rebuke you over there. Make me pull out seven verses. I'm preaching one verse today. Uh, and, and the second thing I did was I emailed Keisha, who is over our media team, and I asked her to shave off some time. Uh, so the clock is clicking, and I don't have a lot of time. So uh, we will jump in. But before we jump in, th- there's a couple of things, man, I- I've noticed throughout this Advent series. If you've been tracking along in our sermon series uh, through this Advent season, yes, we focused on Jesus, but we also focused on Jesus and some surrounding characters. I don't know if you've noticed, but the first week we talked about Joseph and the angel coming to Joseph, uh, and, and we talked about Jesus within that story. But then the next week after that, we talked about Simeon and how Simeon was in the temple and he grabs baby Jesus and he says, you may dismiss your servant because my eyes have seen your salvation Last week, my boy, Pastor Doug, preached, and he preached from John chapter 1, and within that story, he talked about John the Baptist. But here's what I want to do this morning. I want to remove all supporting actors, and I want to focus our attention in on the main character, which is Jesus Christ. But I do have a confession to make before we jump in. Um, As a pastor, I typically feel tension around this time of the year on what to preach. And I know you're like, it's Christmas time, preach something about the incarnation of Jesus Christ, but I feel tension for a few reasons. Number one, uh, the actual birth of Jesus is only seen, like the actual birth is only seen in two places, and that's in Matthew and in Luke. And so it it limits us to where we can go. Number two, you want to preach, we do Advent every single, at least four Sundays of the year, we do an Advent sermon, and uh, you typically want to preach the Advent or the Christmas story without being redundant. And so there's some tension around that. And then thirdly, you usually bring your family and friends and you want me to preach the best sermon of the year. So there's tension there, too. But I want to relieve myself and preach one verse today. And here's what I know. This verse that I'm preaching today is the absolute most famous verse in all of not the New Testament, but all of Scripture. In fact, it's so famous. I started to say, don't even pull out your Bibles, but it's my love for the word of God that pushed me to want to at least see the Bibles in front of you. Uh, But this verse, you literally, the dude smoking weed on the corner that hates the church knows this verse. So why don't you guys do me a favor, John chapter 3, verse 16. Why don't you do me a favor? Help me read it today. On the count of three, let us all read it in concert. One, two, three. For God so loved... I want to preach today from a short amount of time, preach from the topic entitled God's Christmas Gift to You. Let's pray. Father, as many of us gather today, we do so in a chaotic season. Many of us have been running up and down the streets and on and off uh, trains trying to grab Christmas gifts and in grocery stores trying to grab food. And we've just been running and running. I thank you for the ability to be able to slow down and get in your word this morning. Pray that we would see This familiar verse in a new light today, may you give us a fresh perspective, give us new eyes. And Lord, we realize that that doesn't come just from some intellectual exercise, but that comes when the Holy Spirit moves on our hearts. So, Father, I pray that the word would pierce our hearts, but also that it would encourage us during this holiday season. As I said earlier, Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ would be the focus 
and the attention. May the gospel be clear. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Pray for physical strength and gospel clarity. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God's Christmas gift to you. The other day I was on the A train, the express running into the city. I had to run to class. And as I'm in the, on this train, it's packed. Finally, a seat opens up. And so I sit down. And as I'm sitting down, the two ladies that were sitting next to me got up and got off the train. And this lady gets on the train with her little cute daughter. And it didn't take me long to realize that this little girl was a cute little girl, but she was a bad little girl. Like she, I mean, she was, she was swinging from the poles like she was Gabby Douglas and bumping into people. She had a snotty nose. She just sneezing. And, you know, she, all, she was all over the place. But none of that confused me. You know when I got baffled? When the little girl got up under the seat next to me and started to rub her hands in a circular motion on the floor. And I'm looking at her doing it, and she's looking at her hands, and her hands are turning black from literally rubbing. She's picking up all types of trash from underneath the seat, and she's playing with it. And here's where I got baffled. Not at the fact that she was doing that, but I looked at her mother, and her mother thought it was cute. And it was in that moment that I realized that this lady didn't cause me to say, man, she doesn't love her daughter. No, she probably loves her daughter, but it helped me to realize that she doesn't hate the dirt. But on the other side of, of the fence is me. I hate the dirt, but I don't have the same love and affections that this mother had for her daughter. And then I realized that until hate for the dirt and love for the little girl was found in the same person, that little girl would remain dirty. In our passage this morning, there is, come on, y'all. In, in our passage this morning, come on, stay with me, y'all. I told y'all, I got 21 minutes. Come on. In our passage this morning, there, there, there is a text. In this text, there is proof that God absolutely loves us. But he does not just love us. In our text, he loves us so much that he's willing to pull us out of the dirtiness called sin in our lives. His love, his love and his hate for the dirt, the sin, those two combined together causes him to give us a gift. Many of you will walk out of here today and you'll exchange gifts as Ed was talking about. You'll do it tonight or some of you will do it based on tradition. You'll do it in the morning. And just in case I'm, I'm on your Christmas list, I do wear a size 11 just in case on shoes. Just, you see something nice, pick it up, sell. I got you. I'll get you all something too. But just in case, you know, just in case you go home and you exchange gifts, here's what I know. Most of us in this room have no biblical convictions to exchanging gifts. In fact, we'll, we'll take the exchanging of gifts and tie it back to the wise men. We'll say the wise men came into Bethlehem. They followed the star in Matthew chapter 2, and they came into Bethlehem, and they brought some gifts with them, frankincense and gold and myrrh. And so I give gifts because the wise men did it, but can I... Can I offer you an alternative reason to the tradition of trading gifts? We do not give gifts to be like the wise men. We give gifts to be like God. And the reason is because God is the greatest giver. He just legitimately is. I used to go to an old Baptist church in, in, in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, and this used to be an old mother that used to sing a song that says, you can't beat God's giving. And the song would say, no matter how hard you try. All of us in this room will exchange gifts, but the reality is it doesn't matter what's under the Christmas tree. The greatest gift that you will ever receive is what is not under the tree, but what's on the tree. Jesus Christ. And in our text this morning, we will see 
that God does give us a a gift, and his gift that he gives us is based on his love. Let us consider this small passage together. Verse number 16, the A part, for God so loved the world. Please notice the shocking love of God. The text does not say that God loved the Jews. It doesn't say that he gave his son because he loved just one specific group of people. It doesn't even say he, that would be shocking in and of itself because they were rebellious. But it doesn't even say that he loved the rebellious Jews. That would have been shocking. Notice our text says that God so loved the world. And so what really what you see happening when when John is saying God loved the world, he's showing us and you should rejoice in here because God's love was so specific that it reached past a specific group of people and found you. If you're in this room and you've trusted in Jesus, here's the reality. You trusted in Jesus, not because you were so good. You trusted in Jesus based on his love for you. I'm taking an Old Testament course in, my, in, in, uh, in seminary. It's called um, uh, Genesis to Joshua class. And there's a professor there that taught us a Bible study method called a reader's reaction. A reader's reaction really is what would the original audience of a specific text, how would they have reacted to that? Here's what I know. John's Jewish readers would have seen God so loved the world and realized God's love went beyond just them. But God's love went all the way down and reached people who were far off. And when you see that God so loved the world, it should put evangelism in perspective for you. Why? Because what we do is we tell people about Jesus that we think are close to Jesus. But you'll never tell the person that's far off that is all the way out there. But here's what I know. If God had the ability to save you, he can save anybody. God had the ability to save a man named Paul that was persecuting the church. He can save anybody. Here's what I know. God so loved the world. If he loved the world, our testimony of Jesus should go to the world, not just the ones that you think it should go to. God specializes in reaching people that are presumably far off. But the Bible shows us this morning that his love doesn't just lead him to write I love you notes in the pages of your Bible. His love molded him to action. Please look back at the text with me. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. God's love and giving go hand in hand. Do not tell me you love me and you don't show me that you love me. But if you love somebody, they'll know it not just by your lips, but they'll know it by your Actions. There's a saying that's true that says love is what love does. And you know that you love somebody when it causes you to motivate to give to them. And so what God did was he wanted to show us his love and he wanted to show it to us in such a way that he gave to us. And he didn't just give anything. He gave you a gift. Here's a couple of points about this gift. If you're writing notes, I'll I'll run through these quickly. Please jot these these points down about this gift that God gave to us. The first one is the gift that was given to you was unsolicited. In other words, you didn't request the gift. My, my boys and, and my wife, we have a little uh, group chat in our, in our cell phones. And in this group chat, you know, usually we're just, you know, making fun of each other, joking around about each other. We sending weird pictures to each other. But every now and then, every now and then the group chat gets real serious. And it gets serious around the times of birthdays and around this time Christmas time. Why? Because this is the time that they're going to send their wish list. They're going to send us everything that they want. 
They get the gifts based on a request. But here's what I know. You in this room, the gift that God has given you, you didn't request the gift. You don't have it in you to request the gift because you are what we say every single week, totally depraved. You didn't have it. You weren't a good person to request. You were not the little girl sitting on Santa's lap saying, I want Jesus. No, you are far off from him. Let me put some Bible there. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful. Above all things, it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? I love this one. Psalm 58, verse number 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. This one is so clear. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And you were dead in the trespasses of your sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons and disobedience. Let me just lift up the first part of that verse. You were dead in your sins. Okay, you may not believe me because I'm bouncing around a little bit. How about you just look three verses down from John chapter 3, verse 16. Three verses down, it literally says the people love darkness rather than the light because of their works were evil. Here's what I know. Spiritually dead people that love darkness do not request gifts. We do not ask God for Jesus because we are so dark, because we are so wicked, because our hearts are so far from the Lord. And so the first point about this gift is it's unsolicited. You didn't ask for it. Second part about this gift Second point about this gift is it's undeserved. You don't deserve the gift of God. Here's what you deserve. You deserve wrath and punishment. And when you get grace and mercy that's wrapped up in a gift called Jesus, that is when we should rejoice. The Bible tells us here the gift is unsolicited, but it is undeserved. Y'all remember the Remember the, remember the time video with, with Michael Jackson? Remember Eddie Murphy was sitting on the throne as the king, and people would come up and they'd perform in front of him, and he'd do you know, one of these things and X you off because he didn't like your performance? You do realize, outside of Jesus, you are sitting before God trying to perform before him, and every time he's like, X him out. I, I do not like his performance, but there is one performance that Jesus did on our behalf, and that performance is absolutely accepted. And I, this is what I love about the gospel. And I know it sounds redundant. I know it sounds like we say it every week, and we do because we forget how glorious the gospel is. Please understand that, yes, Jesus performed in front of the king, in front of God his Father, but after he performed and got a standing ovation, he gave you his performance. And he took your performance, which was unacceptable to God. He took it and died on the cross for you. And so, yes, the gift is unsolicited. Yes, the gift is undeserved. But also know that the gift, and it's kind of tied to the second one, the gift is not able to be earned. You cannot earn this gift. I don't care how much tithe you pay. I don't care how many times you get up this week at 5 o'clock and pray. It doesn't matter if you serve on a ministry. It does not matter if you go to a small group. The gift that God has given you is purely based on his grace and his mercy, not your merit, not your earning. Let me get a little specific here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. Here it is. It is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. It is a gift from God, not a result of work so that no man may boast. He does not allow you to perform for him because if you perform for him, then you can get into heaven and say, look at what I did. 
But none of us in heaven will be able to beat our chest and say, look what we did. We all point to Jesus and say, he's the reason that I got in. Not to mention, you suck at performing for God anyway. Like, even if it was based on marriage, you wouldn't be able to do it anyway. The day that you think you sound like Beyonce, you sound like an amateur American Idol singer. That day is not good enough before a holy God that does not demand good, but demands perfection, which is what we get in Jesus. So the gift that God has given you is unsolicited. The gift that God has given you this morning is, is undeserved. The gift that God has given you is not able to be earned. Well, pastor, this sounds nice, but what is the gift? I'm glad I don't have to make this up. Look back at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave, here's the gift, his only son. The gift that God has given us is Jesus. And don't just, you know, let me tell you how valuable this gift is. Please circle the word only. And the reason I need you to circle that word is because the fact that he's the only son shows us, shows us number one, the exclusive nature of Jesus, but it also shows us how valuable Jesus is. If God had 10 sons, gave Jesus, and still had nine, the gift is not as valuable. But the fact that this is his only son, heaven's best he gave. Here's the question I have for you during this Christmas holiday. Here's the question I have. God gave his best. Are you giving him your best? That's a redundant question. Don't answer the question. Are you, when you're going into 2018, can you reflect upon 2017 and say, I gave him my absolute best. Reality is most of us in this room have not given him our best. Yet he gave us his one and only son. Here's my fear as a pastor. My fear as a pastor is that the gift that God has given you will sit under the tree unclaimed. Look at the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him. In other words, faith is the requirement in order to receive this gift. In order to receive the gift, it takes faith. That's why the Bible says whoever believes in him, and here's the reality, some won't believe in him. Can you imagine, like, you know, I worked hard all year long. You know, I got my boys some, some, some of the stuff that they asked for. He's in here, so I can't say everything. But I got my boys some of the stuff that they asked for. And can you imagine, like, working hard and putting the gift on the tree? And for me, Christmas, the, the most joy I get out of Christmas is not, and I'm not saying this, in, in a, I'm, I wholeheartedly mean this. I do not get joy at the fact that I'm receiving the gift. I get joy not at even only giving the gift, but watching your reaction when you open it. I get joy out of you being satisfied and moved to emotion. Can you imagine if God gave us a gift and it sat under the tree unclaimed, worse, unwanted? The gift that God has given us, some will deny the gift. Some will not only say, I don't want to claim the gift, but I don't want the gift. Can you imagine the sorrow that you would feel on Christmas morning if you gave a gift and the person didn't even want the gift? There are some that will reject the gift. Pastor Doug preached from John 1 last week, and there's a verse tucked away in there that said, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. There are some people, the same gospel that brings you life will be the stench of death to somebody else. Because they'll look at the gift and be like, it's wrapped nice, but I don't want it. And that is a fear I have. That you will come here week in, week out, know when to lift your hands, know when to say amen, walk out of here and the gifts sit under the tree. No, sit on the tree. Jesus Christ. And 
My fear is that, let's get back to the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him should not perish. Here's, here's how detrimental it is that you open this gift. It says, believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Not opening this gift will cost you eternity. Do you notice what this text says? It doesn't say it's going to cost you like you're just going to miss out on it. Like, you know, the gift that God gives you is greater than an iPhone, is greater than Chelsea boots, is greater than whatever else you ask for. The gift that God is going to give through Jesus Christ, it's imperative that you open that gift. And I don't want to be naive to think that everybody that comes here every week is, has trusted in Jesus. Some of you come and you know how to do this thing, but you still haven't trusted in the gift. You still haven't put your faith. You've said, I trust him, but is he Lord over your life? The text says, if you don't open it, it says, some will perish, but some will have eternal life. Here's something else to note about this gift as I land this plane. The gift that God gives us shows us his intimate knowledge of us. Have you ever got a gift and you were like, Man, this person clearly does not know me. When, when I was 11 years old, my, my family got together with some distant relatives that I didn't know. They didn't know me. And, and my aunt, I, I mean, I couldn't believe this. She gave me a gift and I got home and I opened the gift and it was a sweater. Now you might be thinking, that's not, like, that's nice. But I was 11 years old and the sweater was a 3X and I couldn't fit the sweater. It clearly showed me that that aunt did not know me. She had, didn't have intimate knowledge of who I was, but not so with God. The gift that he gave you, he knew you needed it. It was the gift of Jesus. He knew you needed eternal life. He knew you needed salvation. Because without the gift, you got to pay for the wrath of God. You got to pay for your own sin. But in the gift, Jesus died on your behalf. Okay, pastor, I think I got it. Please tell me again, how do I receive this gift? It's so simple. By faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. That's it. I know some of you are like, that's too simple. You know it's, you know it's salvation when you ask the question, that's it? Like grace is so powerful that it will cause you to say, it got to be more. I got to do more. I got to run harder. I got to. You don't. Like it's so simple. The gift is wrapped in Jesus. But here's what I know about the bow that's on the gift. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. I know we celebrate, you know, Christmas and, you know, we do this whole uh, manger scene. And but like, do you realize like I've been to Israel? I've been to the spot. Can, like you don't even like think of the smell of a manger. Your savior did not. He could have come and been born in a palace, but he decided he would slip under the radar. Here's what I know about Christmas, and this always confuses me. Christmas is the only holiday that we give dual meaning to. Veterans Day, we know it's about the vets. Your birthday, we know it's about you. Martin Luther King Day, we know it's about Martin Luther King. But why is it with Christmas we divide the attention between Jesus and Santa Claus? Santa is not the gift under the tree. Santa is not the gift that died for you. Jesus is the gift that died for you. Cursed is he that hung on a tree. Jesus the Christ. And so as you walk out of here today, my hope and prayer is that as you gather with your non-believing family members, that you would consider this verse. In fact, this is a great place to talk to people about because everybody knows the verse. Tell them about this gift. 
Again, some of you have went the entire year and haven't told anybody about this gift. Like how stingy are we that we received a gift and are withholding it from other people? Like may we share the gospel. May we share this good news of this season. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you this morning and this afternoon for this gift that we have in Jesus. We realize, Lord, that we didn't request it. We realize, Lord, that we didn't, we didn't earn it. But it is purely based on your grace and your mercy. Father, we thank you this morning. With this abbreviated sermon, this one verse, may it hold weight. May we walk out of here and be diligent to be doers of the word. May we be diligent to tell people about this gift. Because this is the only gift that will bring salvation. Nothing that's under our tree right now will bring salvation. In fact, that, I, that iPhone X is two years from sitting in our drawer, our junk drawer. But Jesus brings eternal life. Father, may we submit our lives 100% to him. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.